Let's talk about the world of medicine. It's White Coat Wednesday, and uh, Hamilton infectious disease expert Dr. Zane Chagla joins us. Nice to have you again. Hi, good morning, John. Okay, so tell me what semaglutide is, and then we can get into how it's apparently good for your heart. So this is a diabetic medication. It helps lower blood sugar through a different, uh, specialized pathway. Um, but as we kind of know through the traditional media that there's been an explosion in the use of diabetic medications for non-diabetics for the purposes of weight loss. Um, so so what we're seeing is a, a really cool trial where, where they really are using this as a proof of concept. Okay, and this is sort of like Ozempic, isn't it? Everyone's been talking about Ozempic, but I have been seeing more and more people talking about this new chemical. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this is kind of in the same same kind of class of medications that have weight loss effects. And so, this trial was really uh, profound in what they did. They took non-diabetic patients who were obese and had risk factors for heart disease. They gave them the drug, and they saw their cardiovascular risk and death went down when taking the drug um, compared to not taking the drug. And so this is really a paradigm shift because, uh, you know, as much as we use these drugs in, in people who are obese uh, and, and particularly people who are diabetic and, you know, the two kind of play together in terms of Im improving diabetic control and obesity, this is really the first proof of concept for this drug that using it in a non-diabetic patient not only leads to things like weight loss, can lead to heart outcomes like reduced cardiovascular death. And so, you know, this really does shift a paradigm for people who fit into these categories who need these medications, you know, that, that they may actually survive more while being on it, they may have better outcomes while being on it, and they may lose weight, which is just a, a positive benefit altogether. Okay, and remind me, Zane, of the phrase that is applied to when you come up with a pharmaceutical and it the idea is that it treats one thing and then you find out that it works for something else. Yeah, I mean, they're often classified as side effects or, or I forget what the actual name is. I, I know what you're talking about. You know, for, for example, Viagra um, was used as a, a drug for pulmonary hypertension, which is a rare condition that affects the lung. But they saw a side effect in men who got Viagra was that they had, you know, fairly... Um, they were uh, very attentive. Sexual activity. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, that really was repurposed uh, for, for, for that use and is actually the, the brand name case. And so absolutely... Absolutely. We may see these drugs, even though they were developed as diabetic drugs, uh, and they're very effective in diabetes, uh, completely repurposed for, for, again, weight loss, especially in high-risk cardiovascular patients. Okay. Nobody who watches uh, the show The Last of Us wants to hear about a fungus, and this apparently is a flesh-eating fungus we need to worry about? Yeah, so this uh, fungus, coccidiomycosis, it's a uh, mouthful, um, is resident in kind of the southern, dusty United States. So Nevada, Arizona, uh, New Mexico, and even going into Mexico and Southern California. What we're seeing over the last few years is the the niche of this uh, infection is really starting to spread west and north into the United States. So starting to go up California, even as far north as Washington State, um, as well as kind of through the states in the in that that northwest region. And it's it's worrisome. This is actually an infection that you know we see in Canadians who travel into Arizona uh, for the summer or for snowboarding, 
Um, but you know the the bigger ecologic niche is is as uh, a um, is is concerning in the context that more people become infected, and this can infect healthy people. This can affect people who are immunocompromised, people who have diabetes. Um, it often requires weeks and months of antifungal treatment. Um, it can affect the skin and give you know fairly uh, life altering uh, skin changes. Uh, and so you know it is something we worry about. Again, as we talked about last week in dengue, and this week. This may be a disease associated with climate change as we see more dusty and arid climates starting to spring up. Um, and so, you know, it's something to keep an eye for. And then unfortunately, is something that Canadian doctors will need to keep an eye on because of the fact that we see so much travel to that region of the world and have to keep it in our differential diagnosis. We've known for a while that uh, sitting isn't good for your health, but is there new research that it's just awful? Yeah, so this this meta-analysis, so kind of putting together a bunch of different studies, looked at all different positions, so standing, walking, sitting, and sleeping even, in terms of uh, their effects on health. Now, these are obviously tricky studies because, you know, people who sit a lot tend to also have a lot of other sedentary habits, but recognizing that people that sat a lot, that had fairly sedentary days, were actually the metabolically worst patients in the study. In fact, people that slept more um, were healthier than people that sat more, which actually does make sense if you're getting and prioritizing a good night's sleep and active during the day. Um, that's you know probably much better off than being sedentary through the day uh, and not getting sleep. So you know just an important reason to say that you know even reductions in small risks from say standing at a standing desk or taking a walk or just you know breaking up that sedentary day into smaller bits uh, are probably reasonable. And, you know, again, prioritizing good sleep is actually a good thing. Even though we are sedentary, it's actually quite restorative for us to be sleeping appropriately. And then there is a cat parasite that uh, may make me glad that I don't own a cat. <laughs> so, um, Toxoplasmosis, which is uh, something that, that some people are familiar with, particularly pregnant women, we tell them to stay away from cat litter because of this reason it can infect their newborn or their fetus. Um, this is a parasite that we live with. Uh, many people are infected, particularly in areas of the world with lower hygiene or areas of the world where we eat more raw meat. Um, and, you know, we think it's relatively benign other than certain populations like immunocompromised uh, individuals. But there's more and more evidence suggesting that you know th this may have s systemic effects. And so this study looked at older people and looked at their antibodies to toxoplasmosis. They really made really strong antibodies to that parasite, not necessarily the infection, but the, par but the antibodies themselves that tended to be associated with a lot of frailty in an elderly age. Now, again, it could be that people who are more frail had poor access to food, had poor hygiene and so it, it is kind of a chicken and egg in terms of what exactly drives the inflammation but you know it is an interesting marker um and you know as, especially as you know we we learn about some of the pathogens we think are benign you know we're learning more and more they may not be completely benign and, and have kind of long-term effects all right so now i've got to avoid a fungus and a mind-altering cat parasite noted I know. It's a fun thing we do every day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good to have you. All right. All the best. That's Dr. Zane Chagla. He is an infectious disease expert in on White Coat Wednesday.